Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. So we're in another volume. This volume is called Community, and we're talking about God. In God's plan, it's, of course it's about people. It's all about people, but not just, and I don't mean just like it's to belittle this, but not just so you can get saved and be ready for heaven. God has a lot of plans for now and, and, and all of our lives to do awesome things, but together is better than alone. Together is better than alone. And community in the kingdom of God is so important. Not, Jesus said, listen, um, it's not just impressive to have your thing going on with God. God wants you to have your thing going on with people because if your people things, your God thing, it's all connected. So we're talking about that. And so we're gonna stay in this thought of community, but we're gonna take the lamp and we're gonna shine real brightly and focus on prayer uh, for the next few weeks, but prayer in a very specific, intentional uh, idea. So I titled this message today, Praying For You. Praying For You. You know, there are some really weird things about social media, right? Uh, anybody on Facebook and like, you can't even remember whether, or not, whether you mentioned to somebody that you were interested in, in a new jacket for spring, whether it even came out of your mouth and then the next time you look on Facebook, every other thing that you scroll is about jackets for spring. You're like, what is this? And mind you, it makes you know what not to talk about, you know, or that'll start coming up on your screen. And you're like, whoa, what is this? And you know, a lot of the stuff that we've watched, people fighting back and forth on this or that or the other. But you know, there are some good things about social media too. Some of my friends that I lost track of back in the college days, I, the only way I connect with them is through Facebook because they live in other parts of the world and other parts of the country. And that's always a good thing. Uh, the connection part's a good thing, reaching out to others that sometimes you're not alone. There's people who... I remember watching some baseball games and with some of my buddies from across the country and we're, the whole time the game's going on, we're, on we're, we're messaging each other. That was a terrible play. Oh man, that whoa. You know, and we still revert, talk about that. So that's the good stuff for me. But, and you, and you've, you've seen this, you, you've seen your friend or you, you've put a post out about something that's deeply concerning to you, somebody that's sick in your family, someone that's passed away. And you'll see people come out of nowhere, and they'll and they'll and they'll and they'll do this. They'll do this. Look at look look what you, you you've seen this. Thoughts and prayers, right? Um, both are important. You're in my prayers. We've all been on the receiving side of that, and we've all probably posted that. Uh, Maybe not words, but the emoji. I love that emoji. That mo I don't think you can ever overuse that emoji. And then you can even, you can even upgrade it and put the heart there too. <laughs> the prayer and the heart. Um, one, of, one of the things that, that I, that's happened with me with that and with friends um, is that if, you know, I've said thoughts and prayers are praying for you and really felt like after that the Lord said, are, are, did you mean that? I mean, did you mean that for that person? I mean, or, or is it like your email? I, my one email, where I forget to turn my sound off and I'll, I'll send an email out and it'll go whoosh. And, and like, uh, if we're not careful, we can think that's, well, you just thoughts and prayer, whoosh, and then on you go. What was I thinking? You're not even, this is a deeper, a deeper focus than that. Praying for you, mean it. Um, prayer. I, I don't know how to title this part, but I'm going to just off the cuff say, the, the, this is the, uh, the confessional of prayer struggles of my own from a gifted communicator. So, in my prayer time, 
all of these imagery, all of these images have come into play in my life. Many too often, and some not often enough. And on any given day or any given season of my life, my prayer time or a prayer season can be like this. My whole life is like one big rushing traffic jam. And I go into prayer rather than laying that at the feet of the Lord and finding tranquility. I bring the traffic jam into God's presence in prayer and just traffic jam the whole thing. Other times, and this is due to some bad teaching that I received uh, as an early Christian, I had an imagery problem with God where, and at times if I'm not careful, and especially if I'm tired or I'm going through a rough road and get self-critical, I bring that to God, project it on him, and I feel like my prayer time is like going before a court judge. Hmm? And you know you don't have a good explanation. Yeah. Um, or, or it's like someone's taking a photo of you and without your permission they put it out there, non-airbrush. <laughs> non-airbrush. It's the image you didn't want to go out. And you bring that into God's presence and, and you think, man, he's seeing you the way you are when you get out of the shower before, you know. I don't know about some of these people that post these selfies when they're getting... I, 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 no, you won't... If you ever see that of me, someone else did it, and I'm in a lawsuit's pending. A lawsuit. A lawsuit's pending. I didn't write that one off. Okay. Um, there's other times where, where, where you can feel like you're, you're, and it's not on God, it's on, that you're like getting ready for a strip search. Yeah, this is wrong with me, that's wrong with me, yeah, and under here, yeah, sure, look, lift this, yeah, all the, and I don't know about you, I, I, I'm telling you that there have been seasons in my life where don't want it to be, but that's kind of what I bring into my prayer time. Um, then I can be an overthinker. Any overthinkers in here with me? Make me feel good about myself. For me. You, I mean, nobody can overthink it like you, right? Uh, overthink, so over, have you ever thought something so long you can't even remember what the be initial thought was supposed to be about? You're like, Wah! yeah? Well, I, I can do that and, and I bring whatever that is to God and the next thing you know, I'm not talking to God. I'm, I'm just overthinking in my prayer time. And I know the Lord is patient and loving, but I just have to wonder sometimes if he'd show us an emoji of his facial expressions when we pray. I wonder what, and I think he has a great sense of humor. I don't think he's the way like up there like, oh, here they come. I don't think it's that way. I think he longs to hear our voice. I think he longs to hear our voice. Yeah, and, uh, but you overthink it. And, and I have actually made prayer more complicated where when I'm, when I'm done praying because I didn't do it the right way, I'm more discouraged than I was before I prayed. It's like I worked that algebraic equation and it didn't work. X doesn't equal, right? And I'm like, but thank God, thank God for the other times of prayer that are like, and I've had them, and I love them when I do, and I'd like to bottle them up and make them this way all the time. It's like you are on a mountain peak in the morning watching the glory of God's sunshine just rise up. Or you're sitting by a lake in the evening and the sun is setting, and it's just like, man. You ever had those kind? Don't you wish they were that way all the time? Other kinds are like when I was a kid and we just heard that King's Dominion was opening. That's how old I am. <laughs> King's Dominion was opening, man. And we got to go. And we took my cousin along. And they paid for us and we went through the gate and got our thing on and we blasted off to the Rebel Yell roller coaster and my parents never saw us the rest of the day. Blah! Where you come into prayer and it's like going into an amusement park where it's all safe and it's just wonder after wonder after wonder. Going to Disney for the first time, Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, whatever, Space Mountain, whatever. I'm going all of it. Where prayer time is like that, I've had that. I love that. Had all that. The passage we're going to look at today is in the last chapter, the ending of the letter of Ephesians, where Paul is, he said all the stuff we've talked about, and we're going to go back and talk about it more. And then he closes up, 
And he says these words in the 18th to 20th, 19th verse. He says, stay alert. That's why we serve you coffee before I preach. (laughs) Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers. Notice he doesn't put a period there. For all believers everywhere. God won't let me shake off the all believers everywhere and the all y'alls in the room. I don't think we're supposed to shake that off. I think we're supposed to be very careful in the time in which we live to not leave people in the dirt while we go off to the mountain of God. I think we're all supposed, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. So stay alert, be persistent, in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And then this blows my mind. And pray for me too. Lord, I just ask you now that you would just do your thing. Um, use, use me however you want. And use us and open our hearts, please, to hear from you. Everything that doesn't come from you from my lips may it be filtered out and forgotten before we get in our car. And if there's this one nugget that comes from heaven, breathable into our soul, may it be breathing later in the week, later in the month, later in the year. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. In August 2006, a young man who isn't as young as he used to be either, John Mayer, wrote a song. I really love John Mayer's music. I love his song uh, called... uh, waiting on the world to change. Anybody ever heard that song? Oh man, I I looked and thought, when was that written? 2006? 2006? Me and all my friends, we're all misunderstood. They say we stand for nothing and there's no way we ever could. Now we see everything that's going wrong with the world and those who lead it. We just feel like we don't have the means to rise above and beat it. So we keep waiting. Did anybody, did anybody, did anybody have that go on there? Did anybody? We keep waiting on the world to change. It's hard to beat the system when we're standing at a distance. So we keep waiting. Waiting on the world to change. Now, if we had the power to bring our neighbors home from war, there would have never missed, they would have never missed a Christmas, nor... No more ribbons on their door. And when you trust your television, hmm, amen, what you get is what you got. Because when they own the information, they can bend it all they want. That's why we're waiting. I remember when he wrote it, and I remember how it moved me. Because I've always been about generational change and generational impact. And, but it, if you're waiting on a man, and we all, we, nobody's not guilty of this, waiting on a movement, waiting on a promise from politics, whatever, not, not to bash that. They're good people with good intentions. But we're going to wait forever. All of us, including the most devout, need prayer. And you know, the Bible says in the New Testament that your world can change from prayer. Paul said to a young pastor in Ephesus, later after he wrote this, Timothy was his name, and he wrote him and he said, now here's what I want most of all. I encourage you to pray with gratitude to God and encourage men and women to pray for all men with all kinds of prayers, with intense passion. This is 1 Timothy 2. And pray for every political leader and representative. Why? So that we would be able to live tranquil, undisturbed lives as we worship the awe-inspiring God with a pure heart that's pleasing to God who wants everyone to be saved. Paul is saying that we can pray and we can, we can by our prayers, create a climate of tranquility, so to speak, in our, in our environment, in our city, in our culture. So, and, 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 and for all political leaders, because God wants there to be peace in the land so that people can hear this message. 
in uncombative circumstances. Woo! I don't think we've been doing that. You, you watch the news? I don't see. I don't see. I remember in chapel uh, in college one year, one of the greatest uh, uh, evangelists of, of his generation. Who, who was a farmer preacher in, in nowhere, Pennsylvania. Not that Pennsylvania is a nowhere, but this part of Pennsylvania was a nowhere. And he saw about these drug addicts in New York City in, in, a, in a Life magazine, of all things. Remember, that'll, that'll date you too. And he was moved by the Holy Spirit to go, just as he was, and go in the streets to start preaching in New York City. His name was David Wilkerson. Anybody heard, ever heard of David Wilkerson? And David Wilkerson was used by God in a mighty way, legendary. Uh, he was late in his life in his 70s when he came to Southeastern University. And he was talking about how God can take you from humble means, use you greatly. But then in being used greatly, you can fall away from the Lord greatly behind the scenes, not necessarily in sin, but just in being involved in the machine of ministry. And he said that happened to him. And he came up there and we were, I'm all like hanging, I'm ready to hear what this guy, the prophet of God basically has to say to us. And he gets up and he says, I've got a confession to make. I haven't really touched God's throne in prayer in over a year. And I'm preaching everywhere. People want me in their churches. People want me, and he goes, and I'm sick of myself and I need to get to my Arkansas prayer retreat and get alone with Jesus. Because I want to become that farm boy preacher that I was before anybody knew who I was when I could hear God tell me to go to New York City. I was like. <laughs> but I've got a confession to make. That's happened to me a number of times over, the, over this journey as well. And I'll take your confession anytime you're ready. Isn't it hard to pray sometimes? Come on. Isn't it hard? I mean, and I don't mean just to say a prayer, right? But I mean to really be consistent. I'll tell you why, maybe you relate with this, but I'll tell you why it's hard for me at times to pray, and maybe you. I'll tell you why it's hard for me to pray at times, because of being busy. Isn't it funny when people come up to you, and I don't care who you are, they say, hey, uh, are you busy? You know why it's hard to pray? Because we're busy. I didn't say it's wrong to be busy or right to be busy. I said it's hard to pray at times because we're busy. Another reason it's hard to pray at times is because we're bothered. Things that bother us. Have you ever had any bees buzzing in your head? You wish the bees would die? You wish they'd fly out into someone else's bee's nest of their head? Get out of yours? Or, or like there's birds that are planting seeds and nests? You know why it's hard to pray? Because we're busy and we're bothered. Anything bother you in the past couple weeks? Um, we're burdened. Burdened. That's why I find at times it's hard to just stay consistent in prayer, the kind that I described that isn't like a traffic jam and an algebraic equation where it's like, Glory, on the, you, you can actually see and hear and tranquility. What do we got now? White noise, brown noise, red noise, blue noise, all these noises. I've been listening to these noises. I got a thing on my, on my computer that pops up on Sunday morning that tells me how much screen time I used. And I've been proud over the fact that it's really, really decreased. But the last couple of weeks, due to a lot of stuff going on in my life, with my family and my, my mom and different things, I need to be able to turn it off. So I, I came across this white noise or brown, I think it's brown noise. I'm trying brown noise, white noise didn't work. I'm trying brown noise. And so I turn it on going to bed at night and I got this thing said, your, your, your screen time has increased 108%. I was like, I'm sorry. But it wasn't really that I was like uh, doing, you know, Facebook. It was that I all eight hours, eight hours and eight, it's sleeping with that noise trying to, it's hard sometimes to have a consistent prayer because you're burdened. Another is because we're battered. Bombarded. Dive bombers. Stuff. Am I talking to the right audience or you guys got it going on I need to go somewhere else? And the healthy don't need this, right? Healthy? All you prayer warriors out there? We're battered. And I'll tell you another one. We're bewildered. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the, I'm, I'm riding the bus of, I don't have a clue in some aspects of what's going on in this whole thing. 
But you know what? There are the reasons and many more why it's hard to have a consistent prayer life. But I've also found reasons why we need to take time for prayer. Let me show you what they are. Yeah, there are also reasons why we need to take time to prayer. You know why? Because we're busy. And we're bothered. And we're burdened. I'll tell you, since COVID till now, I don't know a person. I don't know a person that hasn't somewhere in a conversation heart to heart with me said, the last three, four years of my life have been the hardest years of my life. The reason we need to pray is because we're battered. And we're bewildered. When Mayer wrote a song in 2006, another guy named Joseph Scriven wrote a song in 1855, and I had no idea until I looked this up, that the song that I'm going to talk to you about for a minute was written in 1855. This song was written eight years before the Civil War started, and just think if people would have taken to heart what this guy wrote in the lyrics of this song pre-Civil War in the United States. And just think, if, and this song has been sung for 167 years now, mostly, and, it's, and sadly, it's going to be put to bed. It's going to be put to bed by a new generation, most likely, as, you know, and we'll switch it with June Moon and Spoon songs about Jesus. But in 1855, Joseph Scriven wrote, What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, Abraham Lincoln pleaded with the nation to do that. Can you imagine such a thing, the President of the United States today calling for a national fasting and prayer to God Almighty and his son, Jesus Christ? When you, when you know hell's coming for your nation, really? And we're not talking about a, a little percentage of inflation or the price of eggs rising. We're talking about brother against brother, hate, venomous, demonic, gates of hell wide open. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Imagine if just the needless pains of life were placed at the feet of the Lord. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Why don't we put this song away? Is it too, is it not cool enough for school? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Now, some things are just life, right? You know, sometimes life is just not peaceful. No matter how much you want to have your chi, it's not going to chi. Sometimes, you know, it's like we're all in a snow globe. And someone grabs a hold of it and turns it upside down with you in it. And that's not tough enough. They shake that thing about 25 times. But you know what? That is just life. Jesus said, in this world, in your snow globe, you're going to have some shake. He said that. You can try to pray it away. You can try to confess it away. But Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm -hmm. And then beyond the snow globe of just stuff, Paul goes on to say in the sixth chapter that there is this cosmic battle, good and evil fighting, light and darkness, God and the devil. Now you may or may not buy into the God versus the devil thing. 
You may say, well, that's mythical. It is what it is. Life's life. You know, the circle of life and all that stuff. And you might be skeptical. But you know what? I don't think the majority of people live in that idea anymore that the new atheist idea is the world dominant or even the, the nation, national dominant worldview. If it was, Star Wars wouldn't be as popular as it has been. I think that people identify with Star Wars and things like that because there's something in their DNA that says, wait, 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 wait. There's, there's more behind the reason why police officers of any race are so, can, can take a person and beat them to literal death. There, there's something beyond, it's not just that we're just having a little rough. There's some, there's, there's some kind of force, entity that's, that's pressing into, invading into this thing. I, I was thinking about this as I was writing this and I thought, I wonder, is there really? I'd be surprised. Maybe you're there. If you are, if you are and you're listening, please write me. I'll, I'll take you to lunch and I won't try to convert you. I w but I wonder if, if there is within a 50 mile radius someone who would honestly say and admit, I've never prayed to God or a God in my whole life. Maybe. Secular sociologists say that this generation right now, the younger generation, is the least religious but perhaps the most spiritual of all generations. I'd agree with that premise. And I'd agree that in that premise, they may not know what that is or what all this, this dark force that whatever John's writing about. It. I'm waiting on someone fix this. Someone step up. So a group of people. What is this? Something's wrong. And it's beyond man's capability to fix. And Paul says it like this. I don't have this on the screen, but he says this. Put on God's complete set of armor so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. I'm doing it in another paraphrase because we're so conditioned with what, we, what we've read that it kind of goes past us. So I want to I shock the water with saying it the, the same thing a different way so you hear it again. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with, listen, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. They are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. So, Paul says, I've talked about the riches and the grace and the powerful plan of God and you need to constantly have the light of God shining so you can stay in the riches and stay connected and, and work really hard, put all your effort into unity in the family of believers and pray. But he says, but listen, be intentional about this. Be, be, be consistent about this. Pray and pray for others and pray for me. Let's bring Jesus into this talk for a minute and go to a moment in, 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 in when Jesus is on the earth and he is looking out over all the crowds that are coming out to be healed and all these things. And look what it says in Matthew 9. When he, Jesus, when he saw the crowds, crowds, he had compassion on them. Notice this. Now think of this in the backdrop of what we just read about Paul, what Paul said is behind this thing. These demon god principalities, way smarter than anybody that's meeting to fix the world economy. Way smarter than anybody that's trying to understand how to help people if there's another plague that's up. Way smarter, there's a malevolent entity and a, and a, and a, and a, and a scheming, strategic, well-organized force of darkness. And Jesus knows that and looks at the crowd and with that context says he has compassion because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. What do shepherds protect sheep from? Thieves and wolves. And he says to his disciples, look what he says, the harvest is great. I love the word pictures Jesus uses. The workers are few. And then, so, and then he says this. So pray. 
Not an email, not a Not post an emoji. So he's like, look, these people in the world, they are under, they don't know who's behind and they're helpless. Let's stay with me. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to do it himself. Ask him to drop rain salvation bullets down on the earth. Is that what he said? Ask him to what? Send more workers into his fields. Here's what he's saying in my opinion. Take it or leave it. This is a paraphrase of T. McGee. Here's what he's saying. He's looking at him and saying, fellas, there isn't enough God to go around without you. I'll try it over here. They didn't. He said, there isn't enough God on your campus without you. You can pray for God to drop the God magic down in your dorm. But pray to God and then you be the God magic. You know, there was a school right up the road, a Christian school years ago that flooded after a big snow and destroyed their downstairs. And people started writing under the Facebook post, praying for you, thoughts and prayers. And I said something very controversial and some people got upset when I said, if that's all that people did, that place would still be devastated. Because thoughts and prayers aren't enough. What do you mean prayer's not enough? Usually the people that say that, they're not doing anything, even prayer, let alone the other part. Pray, yes. But pray for God to do what God does when there is a need. Because the horizontal and vertical are not to be separated. Corey Ten Boom, who is someone from the past, who was a woman who survived Nazi prison camp while her parents and sisters were all murdered. They didn't have less faith than her, by the way. It wasn't that they, you know, it wasn't that she had the Jesus magic and they didn't or... She said, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. We must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. I want to throw out a challenge for you. I want to throw out a challenge for you. Daniel, in the Bible, near the end of their captivity in Babylon somehow had either the awareness of the scroll or had a copy of the scroll of Jeremiah's prophecy that said that they would only be in Babylon for 70 years and then God was going to bring them home and bless them and all that. And Daniel did the math realizing that they were getting close to the time. And so you know what Daniel didn't do? He didn't go out to the corner, sit on the curb and wait for the take us back home bus from God. That's sometimes what we think. You know what he did? He set apart 21 days and fasted and prayed his guts out to a God who promised. He could have said, well, he promised it. It's all promises. Amen, amen. I'm just going to wait on God. No, I don't know how that works. But he prayed for 21 days. And God gave him a, a vision behind the window where the angels came and said, listen, from the moment you started praying, God started moving. But... Behind the scenes, me, Gabriel, and Michael, the other arch, we've been wrestling in heaven with these demon princes over cities and regions of the world. We have been fighting to bring about what God has promised. I don't understand all that. You don't understand all that. There's no book that will tell us how that all works. But what God is saying is, it's not just prayer and it's not just man. It's both. And God works out strategically how to make that stuff happen. Here's my challenge. Take it or leave it. You can hear this today. And by middle of the week, you've listened to Stephen, Levi, Bobby, Billy, and all that, and you won't even remember what I preached. 
But for those who do, I want to encourage you to pray for someone in your life circle who has yet to come to faith. I don't mean a Baptist faith or a Pentecostal faith or a Catholic faith or the Christendom faith. I mean an awakening to Jesus. That for 21 days, you just take your laser and beam their life up to God. For 21 days. Lord, I lift up and pray that you would strategically work in their life around them through music, through commercials, through movies, through dreams, through people, through kindness, whatever, 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 whatever. But I'm bringing their name. I'm bringing their name. I'm bringing their name. 21 days. And then pray this second part. For God to make you the answer to someone else's prayer that they're praying for somebody. Not that you necessarily are the final piece that brings them across the line into a life with Jesus, but you're another piece of the puzzle, whether you know it or whether you don't. But you're going to believe in the sovereign work of God that over the next 21 days that you are saying, Lord, here am I, send me. And I'm not talking about programs. I'm not talking about go start, go get involved in some ministry thing. I'm just saying as you go, where you are, what you are, you're just saying, God, you said there isn't enough God to go around, but the God part of my life, here I am. Not to get weird and wacky and start eating bugs and wearing camel's hair. I'm not meaning that. I'm just meaning being who you are, but believing that God, how many of you think God is into this? Do you know the only reason he hasn't come back for his church? Because he doesn't have enough people in his church. He doesn't want to come back yet for me and you so we can have cake in heaven. He wants to reach more people. And then we'll add this part. And then Paul didn't add, end there. He didn't pray for believers everywhere. Of course, believers. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at that. But I just want to make this point about the ones who don't have the shepherd, the ones who are helpless, the ones who are looking. There's people not interested. God can work with them. Pray for them if God leads you to pray for them. Of course, we pray for everyone. But you know what? I guarantee you, man, there's somebody. You might not know them yet, but over this 21 days, God might even show you. God might even say, it's this person. It's this person. Then it's not. Yes, it is. God will never tell me something that doesn't make sense to him. God, I don't understand that. You don't understand anything. But anyway, Tim, just listen to what I'm saying. And I'm worried about the things you think you understand because they are just as problematic as what you do. Paul says, Paul says, ask God to give me. He says, pray for me. And then he says, what? Pray for me. Now think of that. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain God's mystery that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, literally. Still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul didn't know if he was going to face execution. You know, so when he's saying to speak boldly, he's not meaning so he can post something on Facebook that no one will ever hold him accountable to or he gets put in Facebook jail. He's talking about, I might not live if I preach this again in this town. Please pray that I will not back out and I'll preach it anyway. That's what he's praying. I have a hard time preaching Paul because I'm a rodeo clown compared to him. Question. Livestream question. Have you ever been asked to pray for someone you know or think is a better praying person than yourself? When I read that, I think, you're asking me to pray for you, Paul? Paul was brilliant. Brilliant. Mightily, mightily used by God, a storehouse of wisdom and enlightenment, a champion in spiritual victory. And he asked, 
Ephesian Christians, and if you read a couple chapters earlier, he's saying, hey, some of you believers that are saved now, but you're still ripping people off, don't do that anymore. Oh, and let me tell you too, the sexual immorality thing, you got to get control of that. So, but then, oh, by the way, though, pray for me. You got it all figured out. That's what he did. That's what he said. Pray for me. Here's why. When spiritually gifted people are used by God in leadership roles in a powerful way, the light shines through them, but it's the light of another. The person that God is using with light is a jar of clay, a flawed person, a very flawed person. Paul said he was the worst. That's because I wasn't born yet. I didn't laugh. From Paul to every single one of us, anybody in a sphere of leadership in a way where the light shines through you to lead people into enlightenment, it can make people think you have something more and make people think, how could I ever pray for Paul or whoever that is? I've had people, and just recently, so the person that told me this recently, please, this only made me think of something and I'm not pointing this out about you. Okay, but so, and I know you trust me to know what I'm doing here. I've had people tell me ever since I've been here at different times, and I can think of five in the last couple of years, that they said, I saw you and felt like I was supposed to pray for you, but I didn't feel worthy to pray for you or qualified to pray for you. And every person that's ever told me that, they are golden-hearted Christian people. The more God uses a person in leadership, the more transparent that leader needs to be before the people, lest we get it mixed up. I said to my counselor the other day, over the past couple of years of my life with the struggles that I've been through and trying to walk a tightrope through it without falling to one side or the other, that God has used me in some ways more powerfully, and I don't mean that anything about me, I've just watched what God's done sometimes. And I said, the concerning thing is, is that you come, it's like you come out on a stage and people think that you are everything that God's doing through you in that time. And it can make people think that you've got it going on. Wow, look at how he's walking through this, blah, blah, blah. No, behind the scenes, I'll tell you how you're walking. You're not walking, you're rolling on the floor. You're grabbing hold of the carpet. You're crying out to God. You're driving through town bewildered, burdened, and battered. And I don't mean by saying that to you that I want anybody to go, let's make it all about that guy up there. No, 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 no. The other thing is that I'm trying to say is that what this guy wants from anything God uses me is for you to not think you need to get with this guy. You need to get with these guys. Amen's drowning me out on that. Uh, maybe, maybe they're in the guest room. You need to get with these guys. Because nobody has the big Jesus. I don't have the big Jesus and you have the little Jesus. Sometimes I would think, and if anybody's honest up here or doing this anywhere, many times they, if they really were honest, they would say, you're not wor worthy to pray for me. I'm not worthy to have you pray for me. Paul is showing real humility. He's saying, pray for me. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew that God was going to use him because of him, of him, and in spite of him. Do you know not even Jesus went to every prayer time by himself? Do you know Moses didn't go by himself all the time? Having others pray for us is the most important, most needed, most sure thing. I wrote this the other day on Facebook. I would rather have people talk to God about me than to talk to me about God. 
It's not a Bible verse I need. I need the God of the Bible. You? And here's the other thing. When people think you don't have what it takes to pray for me or I don't have what it takes to pray for you, here's the point that God really wants us to leave here with today. Listen to this. It's not who's doing the praying, it's who's doing the listening. It's not who's doing the praying. It's who's doing the listening. Can I tell you who's doing the listening to your prayers and mine? He ascended above all things so he might fill the whole universe. His name is above every name in heaven, on earth, under the earth. Every angel stands at attention. Every demon stands at attention. So from whether you consider yourself the least in the kingdom to the greatest, Jesus said the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So your prayers from day one are greater in effectiveness than John the Baptist because you're a blood-bought regally robed, reigning child of the Most High God. One guy got up at a southern Pentecostal church for water baptism. And he got up and he was a church guy, and, but he was away from the Lord and he gave his baptismal confession before and he had Bible verses and this and that and the other and he got baptized and all. The next guy didn't have a clue about any Bible verse, but he was so excited. He got up and they said, you have anything to say? He said, yeah, hot diggity dog. <laughs> hot diggity dog. Which one do you think God... Which one? He says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too difficult for me? That's who you're praying to, even if you're not sure if you say it Habakkuk or Habakkuk. It doesn't matter to God. Malachi or Malachi? Job or Job? It doesn't matter. I remember one of my buddies that just got saved. He was on the basketball team at Southeastern. He had just gotten saved and he was reading the King James Bible. He got up in chapel and gave a testimony. He goes, yesterday I was reading Two-Eyed John. And it said in Two-Eyed John... Send two eyed John. <laughs> Who cares? I'm sure there's some snark head that'll come. Hey, listen, man, on the way to, on the way to lunch, I'm telling you, it's not two eyed John. Shut up. Just shut I like to sometimes, I like to preach, I like to preach and do my posts sometimes in case there's any of those that are thinking about it coming to us. There's all kinds of other places you'd probably enjoy more. <laughs> Leave us alone. We'd just rather be dumb and happy with our two-eyed John and a whole lot of Jesus. All right? That work for you? That work for you? That work for you? As long as I'm here, it's the way it's going to be. Guys get too snarky, I'll start playing Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, and freak you out. So just to keep, just to keep people away, just to keep them. Sorry. All right. So you think, well, how do I pray for other people? How do I pray for other people? What do I pray for other people? That's next week. Shame on me, teasing you. I'm not telling you today. That's next week. So we're gonna land the plane today, taking these two things away. Here's the first thing. Jesus comes on the scene and he talks about prayer and if you compare what Jesus says about prayer to all the prayer books and all the prayer kings and all the prayer warriors and all the prayer conferences and all the prayer experts and all the prayer meetings and all that, and you go, wow, this one looks really easy and this one's an algebraic equation. Here's a, it was so easy. You go, re, go read what Jesus says about prayer and it's like, is that, we're gonna look at that next week, sorry. But listen, here, Jesus, here's what, here it is. Jesus invites open-hearted followers through an open heaven to pray to a heavenly father who is always open to hear your request. Friend, heaven is always online. That's what he said. 
He didn't say if you had to stand or sit. He didn't say if you had to. He, it's like, hey, you, you guys that are fathers. You guys that have a friend that would come visit you and you, he needs, he needs, you know, you know how to do. Paul prayed for himself. Of course he did. But he asked for prayer. And the reason why you can and I can spend massive time with God, not to, because God demands massive time, but coming with this kind of idea is because Jesus' blood fine-tuned every yabba-dabba-doo, every hot-diggity-dog, every I was reading in the book of Malachi, every I don't know what to say, every I'm so sick and tired of feeling like this about my life, I'm tired of saying to you a million times, I'll never do that again, and here I am again. God, how could you possibly? And we do it that way, and you know what it sounds like to him? It sounds like Jesus singing to him. We are called his beloved. We don't think of ourselves that way. We project our own judgmentalism, our own self-revolt and self-hate of ourselves on God. And there are parts of the church that help you do it. And he blew all that out with his blood. He invites open-hearted followers through an open heaven to pray to a heavenly father who is always open to hear your request. Yeah, but what about this? What about that? And what about this? Well, what about this? <coughs> criminal, Christ, criminal. Prayer warrior. Jesus, remember me. I promise you. Jackpot. Why do we make it so complicated? Did he get a running start? Did he have to confess something? Did he have to quote Moses? Did he have to do the Nicene Creed? I'm a crook and I'm dying. I can't save myself. I'm dying. The clock's ticking and I can't breathe. Remember me. Today, today, you will be with me in paradise. That's a good deal. He doesn't change his view of us once we come through the cross from being a criminal. Do you think he gets more like a, like a, like a, like a, like a hard, snarky um, uh, in industrial foreman with us? With a book? What? Who told us? Who, who, who made that up? Finally, let's say it another way. Same thing, but another way. Jesus invites open-hearted followers through an open heaven to pray to a heavenly father who is always open to hear your request for others. Others. Around you. Here. Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung at the age, I think, 32 he was a Lutheran pastor during the time of the, the Holocaust and time of the, the Nazi regime and Hitler. He was arrested because he didn't uh, comply. And he was, mar he was killed just days before the Allied forces uh, liberated the Flossenburg prison. But during his time in prison, he wrote so many things that people are still reading today, and this is one of them. In his book, Life Together, about community, Bonhoeffer wrote this. Listen to this, guys, and I'm going to close. A Christian fellowship, which would be us, lives and exists by the prayers of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother or sister for whom I pray no matter how much trouble they've caused me. Their face, from that point on, may have been strange and intolerable to me, but they are transformed into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, and I see the face of a forgiven sinner. Yeah. So I'll close with this. Would you stand, please? I want to ask you not to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you this. Do, do you have 
outside of your spouse, okay, um, which should be your, hopefully, in the grace of God would be your, a prayer, a prayer partner. And I know what I just said. That's not always the way it is. But outside of that, say so you do, but outside of that, do you have a prayer partner that's at trench warfare level with, with you? And then, are you a prayer partner at that level for someone else? Now, I'm not asking, and I, I would be so touched if, if we had a bunch, hey, Pastor Tim, you know, man, I got your back, I'm praying for you. And I'm not asking for that. I'm, I'm not making this about me. I'm asking you to think this way. I'm asking you to think out into the family, not up the ladder. Uh, out, not up. Because, because in the midst of a war that's beyond just the life stuff of the snow globe, there is a malevolent, maniacal, evil, strategic, very intelligent beyond anything you and I can comprehend. Fixated. Fixated on bringing you down. And there's a God who gave his son to lift you up, but not just you, to lift you up so that your life can be a light and salt and carry a fresh tranquility in the midst of the shaking snow globe and the burdens and the busy and the bruised and the battered and the bewildered world in which we live while a generation is saying we're waiting on the world to change. You are the change. I am the change. Now, as we opened up, I said that I believe, and it's true, there are people around you right now, and their week, maybe it was a great week, but they didn't get to share that great week with anybody, really. They didn't get to tell anybody. We, don't, we can't, like, just get a microphone and, all right, let's have 35 people tell how great their week was. We just can't, we don't have time for that. I, I already use up all the time. But this is all the time I got. Don't use it up. But there's other people that say, man, if I told you, I, I'm not going to burden you with, I don't even want, my week's been so bad, I don't even want to even think about it. I don't even want to talk about it. There's other people, man, I, you know what? You know what? I, here's, my, here's my need. Here's what, here's what, Here's my need, here's my, here's my dream, here's my, they're all around us, they're here. I'm telling you, I would love to step into this, but I'm terrified of, of changing a course, of stepping in a, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, I, I, I've read books, I've, I've thought, but I'm just at the place of I don't know, I'm at, they're here. And then there are things coming our way, good, bad, horrible. In this world, you will have and they're around us. The next weeks. While we sing this song, I don't know what song exactly we're singing, and, but while we're singing, whatever the content of the song is, what I'd love you to do is just let this thing be absorbed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, there's someone around me right now, and I might not get to see them. It might not work out that I get to talk to them, but I just am going to believe by faith that I just want to pray for people that are going through that. Before I pray for me right now, I just want to, I just want to, I'm just going to believe that I'm, you're going to create, using me as a prayer uh, uh, person right here in the midst of this family and just the people around me right now. 
take a mental screenshot of them and just lift them up. And then well, these guys will close out as they feel led to do so. Next week, we're going to get into details about how we pray for one another based on biblical instruction. So I pray, Lord, that you would take these words that are yours and every thought that wasn't is forgotten before we get to the car. But what is yours? A takeaway, a nugget by the middle of the week would be burning more brightly than now and make us fruitful in the steps of faith that we are to take because we heard your word in the word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.